Good morning and welcome to another mini Monday episode of Crime Over Coffee. I'm your guest host, Milena. And I'm your host, Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys of the story about the Ford Heights Four. So grab yourself a giant cup of coffee and let's go right on ahead. In May of 1978, a recently engaged couple had been abducted from a filling station, and the next day, their bodies were found in an abandoned townhouse in a place that was called East Chicago Heights, but it was now known as Ford Heights. Both of the victims had been shot, and it was evident that the female victim had been gang-raped. A man named Charles McCraney lived pretty close to the crime scene, and he called in a tip. And this tip was that he'd seen these four men near the scene of the crime. And the people that he claimed to have seen were Verniel Jimerson, Dennis Williams, Kenneth Adams, and Willie Range. And these four men were arrested. There was also a 17-year-old, Paula Gray, who was actually the girlfriend of Kenneth Adams. And she was brought into the police station for questioning. Paula had been held without legal counsel for multiple days, and she ended up confessing to a grand jury that she was actually present while the four men had raped the female victim. She also stated that she saw Dennis Williams shoot both of the victims. How do you just stand there and just watch that happen? I think if this is what actually had occurred, I think that she would have been put in an awkward situation, and I think it would have been really hard to try to stop them, especially if you saw somebody shooting people then I'd probably, I think it would be hard to probably stand up and say, like, stop or to intervene. That's fair. Especially because she was 17. These men were in their 20s. I mean, she probably just kind of stood there silently, and I can't really blame her for that. However, a month later, Paula recanted her story and said that she had been drugged, and the police had told her what to say during her confession. And at this point, the charges against Verniel Jimerson were actually dropped. And Paula was charged with murder and perjury. There was a trial that occurred regarding this. And the four that were involved in this became known as the Ford Heights Four. So Dennis, Kenneth, Willie, and Paula were known as the Ford Heights Four. And Dennis was sentenced to death because he had not only been involved in the rape, but he had also been the one to pull the trigger. Kenneth was sentenced to 75 years in prison. Paula was sentenced to 50 years in prison. And Willie was sentenced to life without parole. Four years later, in 1982, Dennis and Willie won new trials because they had shared a lawyer with Paula and they felt like they needed to have a different lawyer that was just defending them. But the prosecutors had made a deal with Paula and said that they promised they would release her if she testified for a second time against Dennis and Willie. And also, if she testified against Dennis, whose case had already been dismissed and he was already walking and free. At this point, this is what happened. She did testify against all of them again. And Verniel was actually found guilty this time and sentenced to death. Dennis and Willie were once again sentenced with Dennis being sentenced to death and Willie being sentenced to life in prison. There was a key piece of evidence that had been used in the second trial that had just occurred, and that was from the testimony of a jailhouse informant. Now, Milena, we have talked about jailhouse informants before 
on our podcast and typically it doesn't go super great. Why is that? Typically when you're in jail, there's not a whole lot to lose, especially if you're already in life in prison or you're awaiting the death penalty. And if you come forward and say that you have some sort of information regarding a trial, then it has to be looked into. But it's just honestly kind of a way to keep torturing people and messing with people's minds and getting some sort of entertainment while still behind bars. And a lot of times they never turn out to be anything. I can see that happening. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. This informant's name was David Jackson, and this, like I said, was a key piece of evidence and the main reason that Verniel was actually found guilty during the second trial. They did not at this time release Paula from prison like they had promised that they would do if she cooperated and testified against them and in 1994 david jackson that informant ended up submitting an affidavit and he recanted his testimony it turns out that prosecutors had also offered david jackson a deal along with what they had offered paula and it was that they would decrease the amount of time he was facing in prison if he testified during this trial it sounds like a lot of sketchy stuff was happening during this trial basically I was going to say, that definitely seems a little illegal. Yes. In 1996, with the help of a man named David Protus and Rob Warden and a team of journalism students from Northwestern University, the four men, so now this includes Verniel because he's also in prison, they worked together to gain evidence for DNA testing from the original case. And in 1996, the DNA that is tested ends up exonerating all all four men and implicating three other men in this crime and two of these were able to confess and they pled guilty to the crimes in 1997 and at this time though the third one had already passed away and so he was not able to confess to the crime they did also discover that the police had already been tipped to these three men and told to investigate them early on in the original investigation but they never ended up pursuing the lead for some reason. So basically, they were slacking and they just wanted to nail the first people that they found. And we see that a lot where people that are involved in a case or a trial don't want to lose a sense of their pride and they feel like we already decided it was this person. It's going to be this person regardless of whether or not they actually did anything because we don't want to look like we made a mistake. And it's really unfortunate. In 1999, the Ford Heights Four settled civil claims for a total of $36 million against the police officers involved in the investigation. And this was actually the largest civil rights payout in the United States history. That's kind of cool. I mean, obviously it sucks because the reason they're getting that is because they were in prison when they shouldn't have been. But it's kind of cool that that was the highest payout. It was. We typically see that in these wrongful convictions where when they're released from prison, they're given high amounts of money. Unfortunately, Kenneth, Dennis, and Willie had all served 18 years in prison, and they were exonerated 
1996. And Verniel had served 14 years in prison and was also exonerated in 1996. So 14 years and 18 years is such a long time. And it's hard to think that money is really going to make a difference. Paula was still in prison at this time. She ended up serving 24 years in prison. But then in 2002, she was actually pardoned by the governor. And so she was released as well. And why was she pardoned? Because she was considered to have basically been convinced to falsely confess to what had happened because the police had offered her all of these empty promises, basically. So she wasn't actually involved in the crime. She did lie on stand, but she wasn't actually involved in it. And so she was able to be pardoned and exonerated in 2002. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.